You're listening to Beck and Calling, featuring Whitworth University President Beck A. Taylor. In each episode, Beck interviews influential thinkers, authors, artists, and other leaders who are living out their callings in life and making the world a better place. Well, it's my great pleasure today to welcome to the Beck and Calling podcast my good friend, and Spokane native and proud Whitworthian, Shelly O'Quinn. Shelly lives here in Spokane, and normally we would be doing this in person. But today we are still following our stay-at-home orders, and so we'll resort to using this Zoom technology to facilitate our conversation today. Nevertheless, I'm excited to speak with Shelly and to introduce her and her important work uh, in our community to all of you. First, I should say that Shelley is a proud Whitworth graduate, graduating in 1997 with a degree in accounting and business administration. She went on to earn her MBA at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies in Monterey, California. Shelley has maintained close ties to Whitworth ever since her days on campus, and today, Shelley serves uh, on Whitworth's Board of Trustees, providing important leadership to Whitworth's mind and heart education. Shelley also serves as a speaker and mentor and as the Spokane Chairwoman for Whitworth's Women's Leadership Network, an effort to resource and connect women leaders across the region with timely events and forums. She's a popular speaker and leader in and around the Spokane region and a familiar face to many of us who live in the Lilac City. Shelley currently serves as CEO of the Inovia Foundation, a position she's held since 2017. Many in our listening audience will know of the Inland Northwest Community Foundation. And under Shelley's important leadership, that foundation was re-envisioned and renamed to better represent the work and vision the foundation has for the communities it serves. As the Community Foundation for Eastern Washington and North Idaho, a 20-county region, Inovia partners with people who want to make the world better and working together to address and solve the region's problems, helping those in need, identifying and responding to our region's greatest opportunities, and leaving a lasting impact, something that the foundation has been doing now for 45 years. The foundation works to improve access to education, promote health and well-being, support arts and culture, create economic opportunity, and enhance the quality of life for our region. The Inovia Foundation has approximately $130 million in assets and has distributed more than $75 million in grants and scholarships since its inception. Before moving to her current role at Inovia, Shelley spent her career in government and community development with organizations like Habitat for Humanity and the George Nethercutt Foundation. I first met Shelley when she was head of education and workforce development for Greater Spokane Incorporated, which is the Spokane region's economic development organization and chamber of commerce. Then Shelley had a distinguished career as an elected commissioner for Spokane County, She serves now on numerous boards and community initiatives, and I think she's a great example of someone who is always asking how she can give back to the community that means so much to her. So, Shelly, it's a thrill to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for making the time, particularly during this challenging season we're all living through. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks, Beck. So, Shelley, I'd like to start with your Whitworth experience, if we could. Um, what are some of the ways that your time as a student has shaped your life? 
I loved my experience um, with Whitworth. Um, it was, I, I lived on campus for all four years in Ballard. Go Ballard Babes. Uh, for all you current um, and former Whitworth students that had the opportunity to live in Ballard, such a great um, place. You know, what really makes Whitworth so special, um, both in the residential setting and in the classroom, is those close relationships that we develop as we live into the true um, you know, Whitworth experience of an education of the heart and mind. And um, at the foundation of all of that is relationships. And as I think through um, my profession and um, my career, and then also just my personal relationships, it's that solid grounding in personal relationships that um, make us successful in what we do and really ground us in the work that drives and inspires us. Yeah, thanks. So what's kept you connected to Whitworth? As I mentioned, you've, you've stayed connected to Whitworth since your days on campus. Why still stay connected to your alma mater? Those same relationships. <laughs> you have the opportunity to still um, interact with the professors that I so dearly love and the university that I love. Um, and you know, I think one of, actually one of the hardest uh, experiences I'm going through right now is all of my professors are finally retiring. <laughs> and this is, you know, I don't want to admit how many years after I graduated and um, but as those professors are retiring and I've still been engaged I've actually had the opportunity to interact with you know the new wave of professors coming in who carry that same passion and love for Whitworth and its mission and the students that uh, my professors did and it's really that connection and then the opportunity to to give back to um, an institution that you know shaped me into who I am today you know, I'll, I will fully admit that the reason I selected Whitworth um, was probably not the right reason. <laughs> it, it was in Spokane and um, it allowed me to stay connected to my local community. Um, but Whitworth opened up the world to me. And um, through the, you know, my professors and through my classes, I actually saw that there was a world outside this community and one that I wanted to go explore and see and um, I would have never opened, you know, I walked, I went into Whitworth thinking I was going to go into law enforcement. I was getting my required education, you know, educational background so that I could go off to the FBI Academy. And I came out of Whitworth with a whole new perspective of how I could serve our community and our world and um, in ways that wouldn't get me killed. <laughs> well, so I, love, I love those professional journeys where you are those journeys that you realize maybe certain professions aren't meant for us. But. Right, right. Well, we certainly are so happy that you've, you've stayed connected and I'm so grateful for your continued leadership. I want to talk to you about your leadership at the Anovia Foundation. Um, first, tell our listening audience what exactly is a community foundation? A community foundation is community giving back to community. So often when we think about foundations, we think it's um, one family or one donor or one corporation that has amassed a significant amount of dollars and they give it away. Um, a community foundation is actually community coming together to support their local community. Mm. So um, the 130 plus million dollars that's endowed in our organization um, actually started with a $15,000 fund in 1974 and a group of three ladies from the Junior League who said that they wanted our community to think not just about the today and the World's Fair that was being hosted, but also about the tomorrow. And so they started a community foundation and it, we have grown through the contributions 
both small and large to um, the size that we are today. And that allows us to distribute uh, around seven, six and a half, seven million dollars a year in grants through our local donors, our local community. Mm, wonderful. What caused you to lead the organization through its rebranding? I knew when I took over the foundation um, that we had an opportunity. So I had I was choosing to step down as a county commissioner, and when I announced that I was leaving the county and going to the foundation, the number one comment I received was, "Congratulations." where are you going? And I was surprised because this question was coming from community leaders that I assumed would know the community. And so I, when I started the organization, I said, we have an opportunity to tell people who we are. We are the best kept secret in this region. And so we started down this path of um, exploring who, what is our why? Why do we exist as an organization? Not just what we do. We give out grants, we work with donors, but that's not, that's not why we exist. So we started down this path of discovering our why. why. Why do we do what we do every day? And in that process, ended up having a complete organizational rebrand around our why. And as part of it, there was a name change um, as we decided that Inland Northwest Community Foundation was way too long. And it, it was always shortened to INWCF. And so we just decided to live into our mission, vision of transforming lives and communities. And part of that was a new name. Yeah, love it. And it's been very successful. It has been. In a moment, we're going to talk more about what the foundation is doing during the current coronavirus pandemic. But in the normal course of operations, what kinds of priorities and initiatives take up the majority of your effort and the foundation's resources? We are, um, as I mentioned, focused on transforming the lives and communities in the region we serve. We actually serve 20 counties in two states, so it's about 40,000 square miles and a million people. Mm. It's a large region, and we are committed to working with our community. We don't just want to be an organization that gives out grants or that works with donors. Those are tools in our toolbox. They're part of what we do. But at the end of the day, our mission is to ignite generosity that transforms lives and communities. And our vision is vibrant and sustainable communities where every person has the opportunity to thrive. So in order to do that, we want to work with our community partners to make sure that we are addressing basic needs in our community. Because if someone's hungry, or homeless, um, they could care less about any of the initiatives that we work on. So we want to make sure we're addressing basic needs. We want to make sure we're grounded in community, that it's all members of our community um, with the specific focus on the most vulnerable populations that are part of the work that we're doing. Um, and then we want to make sure that we're addressing that long-term systemic change. So for us, that was being, that's being addressed through our focus on education mm. and specifically around our big, bold, audacious goal of ensuring that every child in this region has a scholarship to go to college um, and the support to get there. Yeah. So um, while we know that that's a couple years down the road, we also know that that is going to be truly transformational work that will um, impact the lives of, of all youth in our region. So uh, you, you might, might have hinted a little bit just then at the answer to my next question. 
But whenever I talk to foundation leaders, I'm always interested in asking, what particularly exciting projects are you working on right now? I mean, you, the Inovia Foundation has many, many projects and many initiatives that are donor supported that fall into the buckets that you've talked about. But every CEO of a foundation has those projects that are um, just really exciting and innovative and really uh, propelling you to lead the organization. Can you talk a little bit about what those projects might look like? You're right. I did, you, I did hint on that, that our big, hairy, audacious goal, but I would actually talk about our leadership councils because they're going to be a key part of getting to that goal and are actually doing, helping us serve in our COVID work. So in, because we serve such a large region and we are about community, we wanted to make sure that we were truly reflective of our community and that we are having um, greater connection. And it's hard when we're a staff of 13 in Spokane and we have such a large region. So we developed regional leadership councils. Um, so we have 10 leadership councils in our 20 county region that are made up of members of the community from different backgrounds and different industries, um, representing different sectors that actually advise us on grants, advise us on community initiatives, um, and really inform our decision-making. So we held a leadership summit on March 1st, our second and third, beginning of March, and we brought together over 250 volunteers from our region, and we announced our, our initiative around um, Say Yes to Education. We announced some other regional initiatives, and then we went right into COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but the great thing is, is it's that the, the launching of those leadership councils, which are grounding us in our community, that are actually allowing us to deliver on all our COVID-19 response work. Mm. So that's what's exciting me is that connection to our community because it's not it's not us as a community foundation that's going to be able to make all of these changes. We don't have enough resources or enough manpower. We just don't. Mm -hmm. It's community learning to come together in different ways and working together in different ways that will actually get us there. So you've you've hinted at this a little bit as well, Shelley. Uh, of course, the times we're living in now are just absolutely unprecedented, and I we know that our community's needs are limitless, um, and especially considering the public health and economic fallout stemming from the pandemic. So tell us a little bit about what you and the foundation are focusing on during this crisis. Well, we have it's an all hands on deck um, experience for us right now. All of our um, Donor development team is learning how to make grants. <laughs> We've raised about um, just over $2 million in the last four weeks. And we granted out um, $800,000 of that two weeks ago. We have another million dollars actually going out in two weeks from now. Fantastic. And then we have another $800,000 going out in mid-June to support our 20-county region. And we're focused on meeting basic Supporting those organizations that are really grassroots organizations mm -hmm. um, that are getting into community that are meeting basic needs and then transitioning to the economic recovery piece. So it is um, all of that decision making is actually being made through our regional leadership councils. And so it has been a, um, a lot of time on Zoom. <laughs> We've all become technology experts. <laughs> But as we've lived into community um, sharing with us and identifying their greatest needs in their community, 
and you, even when you take a look at the grants we've made, they are truly reflective of the communities that um, those our regional leadership members live in, which is just super inspiring as we are seeing um, communities supporting each other in different ways. Mm. That's so encouraging to hear that people are stepping up to support Innovia, who's turning around and supporting those organizations that are grassroots, on the ground, and frankly, uh, probably strapped themselves. I mean, that's the really one of the insidious parts about this particular emergency is that it's really testing organizations in new ways, particularly those that are most, most vulnerable, but also those that are doing the most important work, as you've articulated. And so it's... It's wonderful that, um, number one, people are stepping up and then that Inovia is able to see that need and meet that need in our community. We have truly seen generosity in time, talent, and resources play out in so many inspiring ways. Yeah, yeah. So I spend uh, most of my professional life asking people and foundations for money. Uh, And I know you do that as well. But when I daydream about the future, sometimes I daydream about being in a position one day to give away a lot of money, perhaps as the head of a significant (laughs) philanthropic foundation like yours. Um, But I can imagine that it's not all fun. Um, There are certainly challenges I would expect in leading an organization like Innovia. What have been some of the harder challenges that have faced you in your leadership at Inovia, and what have you learned about yourself in the process? I have heard, heard I have learned so much, and I am going to say, but it it sounds fun and easy to give away money until you have six million dollars in requests and only a million dollars to give away. Okay, so so and hard then, choices are part of the equation, huh? And so then you realize actually how hard it is to give money away because there's so many good opportunities. Um, it's actually, but by, as CEO of this organization, it has truly been a challenge. And I know you've heard me tell the story now of how, um, actually, when I joined the foundation, I, I did not like my job for the first six months. And um, I can now share that now that I've been there almost three years. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't for the reasons that people think. So often, um, you know, people think, well, why wouldn't you like your job? You know, you get, you get to give money away. And it was, it was that I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. And, um, and that's really, as, you know, as we reflect back on what I commented on earlier about finding our why as an organization, mm-hmm. I can't get passionate about asking people for money or about giving dollars away. I'm not passionate about either of those things. I am passionate about transforming lives and communities in the region that we serve. Mm-hmm. And those grants and those donor requests are actually just tools to help us get to that. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go through this journey of finding my passion in the foundation and you know finding my why. And I actually had loved my job as county commissioner, but I felt called to come to um, the community foundation. And so I really struggled through that. Why am I in this position that I am not liking when I loved the one I had before? But I had felt called there. And um, thankfully, you know, two and a half years, almost three years later, I absolutely love what I do. And I see that God had a bigger picture. Um, and he could see the bigger picture, which I couldn't those first six months of my job. Um, but when you're diving deep into, you know, updating computer systems and working with a staff that had, you know, just served under a different leadership style and from mine and their adjustment and um, updating um, 
practices and policies, that's not the fun stuff, right? <laughs> right. But it's the required stuff. And it's the stuff that we have to go through as leaders in an organization, especially when we're new. Um, but once you, once you figure out how to get through those, those difficult moments, um, you, and you know your why, because those difficult moments come and go all the time, right? Right. As long as you know your why and you know where you're going, that's what can help carry you through. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. So I mentioned earlier in your introduction that you've been involved with Whitworth's Women's Leadership Network. Uh, why is it important? Uh, why is supporting our community's female leaders important? You know, I've been, I had the privilege of um, being in leadership roles from an um, early age. And, but it's hard. I, there, there are not enough women in leadership in this community. We have some fantastic women in leadership. Um, but I'm used to counting on one hand the number of females that are going to be speaking at an event or if we're trying to find a female to speak, we know which ones we're going to go after. And, and I just feel we have an, an opportunity to raise up women and help, you know, you would think that we should, you know, the glass ceiling shouldn't be there. I'll tell you, I've encountered it at numerous times in my life. And one of the reasons I ran for public office is I knew that if I was going to get to that level, I was going to have to do it myself. Um, and that was a way to be able to serve and give back at a level I knew I wanted to. And I want to make sure that other women, that I have an opportunity to lift them up as they are doing their professional journey, that they can learn from what I've learned from. Um, I'm always quick to point out that, you know, it's not just about women leadership, though, because if all of my mentors were actually men <laughs> that supported me in my career. But it's, I do believe that as women, um, we have an opportunity to support other women as they learn to maneuver different challenges, having children, hmm. raising children. In this day and age, homeschooling children while we work, <laughs> right? At the same time of wanting to be community leaders and have a career that we feel um, inspired and passionate about. And there's just trying to figure out how we juggle all of that. I just think we, as women, have a lot to offer to young women who are determining where they want to go in life. Yes, certainly. Thanks. So as you know, and this is my last question, as you know, at Whitworth, we focus not just on equipping students for professional careers, mm -hmm. but also on encouraging them to find their callings or their vocations in life, the purposes to which they sense God might be calling them in the world. So Shelly, in what ways do you feel like you're living out God-given callings today? Yeah, you know, I feel like I am where God called me to be right now. And as I think back on... Um, my career and my life, I would not, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have ever expected to be where I am. And as I've, as, as I've gone through this journey, um, I feel like the Lord's opened doors that I didn't expect, nor maybe even at the time wanted, um, but I felt called to go through and, you know, oftentimes questioned or, or even challenged why I was there. And, you know, I've um, shared before that I, I ran for state representative in 2010 and lost and I felt called to run at that in that race and I struggled with why did I why did God call me to this when I would lose and as I am sitting where I am today I can look back on all of these experiences and these doors that that I, re I felt called um, to serve in different areas and know that they each one of them was leading 
to where I'm serving in this position I'm serving. And um, I've always felt called to give back to my community. I really feel like the Lord has placed um, that passion on my heart to care for others and, and support and give to others. Um, that's what that's what fills me and inspires me, and I um, and I enjoy that. And I feel like God's really um, honed my skills in many ways to make me a better leader as I've lived into um, that calling and passion. Um, and it's it's truly been a privilege to. You know, stumble and fail at it sometimes, right? We all do. But then I always see how God picks us up in that too, um, because he has a greater vision for what we can, you know, even see. And and I do truly feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be and serving where I'm supposed to be um, at this moment. Hmm. Well said. Thank you. Well, Shelly, thank you for your insights and your wisdom and for sharing your experiences with us. Um, as I think of Whitworth's mission statement, which is to equip graduates to honor God, to follow Christ and serve humanity. It's heartening to know graduates like you, Shelley, who embody that mission and all that you do. So thanks for your leadership in our community and certainly thanks for your leadership at Whitworth University. To learn more about the good work of the Inovia Foundation, I encourage you to visit their website at inovia.org. That's I-N-N-O-V-I-A.org. So until next time, thanks for listening to the Beck and Calling podcast. May God bless you with peace and, of course, with health. So long. Thanks for listening. Find all of Beck's podcasts and video interviews at whitworth.edu slash beckandcalling or follow Beck on Twitter at Beck Taylor.